10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6. Hello and welcome to Rocket Fuel, your daily update of everything that's happening in the Rocket Pool community. My name is Wack Wack Attack. Today is February 6th and there are a few things I'm covering in today's episode that are going to be quite controversial. So for the first one, we're going to go back in time a little bit. So here we have a comment by Invisible Symbol, also known as Invis. It says, fun fact, if you want someone in particular to not withdraw any of their staked RPL, simply call stake4 with their node address once every 28 days, and they will be unable to withdraw any staked RPL. There isn't even a dust check, so you can just send 10 to the minus 18 RPL each time, which is the smallest amount that you can send. Um, and then there was some um, emotes on here. So this was on the fourth, um, and a bunch of people kind of emoted and laughed, and um, yeah. So then what happens after that? Um, um, let's let's there's like a whole discussion going on, right? But I just want to pick out that one comment. And then what happened is um, later that night, a few hours later, in Viz. Um, sent the message saying three RPL bounty for someone to write a bot that detects large withdrawals and creates a bundle that front runs the transaction with a stake for stake RPL for the relevant node. So basically, what would happen is if you see a, um, in the mempool, if you see a transaction that um, is someone withdrawing a large amount of RPL from their node, you could like run this. Um, you could run this uh, command stake for stake RPL for and basically when the person tries to front run it so you do it before that person does theirs and um if you get in front of it then it would block them from uh, with being able to withdraw that rpl and that transaction would fail so what happens um is yeah and then um, invis says call it the dump preventer 2000 um, and sneaky says that's crazy does that really work and um yeah, it says stake RPL4 literally causes the same function as stake RPL does, so I don't see why it wouldn't trigger the cooldown. So let me explain the cooldown. When Rocket Pool started, there was this idea that some people would be able to exploit the um, rewards, um, as in they'd be able to stake and then get rewards and unstake, and they'd be able to game the system basically by getting rewards for periods where they weren't staked. So what happened is this idea of a cooldown period was introduced into the coding, where anytime you staked, you would not be able to take any RPL off your node for 28 days. Now, in I think Redstone, in the Redstone update, um, a new feature was start, uh, installed called um, stake on behalf. So I used this for my whale marriage where there was a node set up. I interacted with the contract through the Rocket Pool website's um, front end with the stake on behalf feature and I sent money directly to the node using that um, that feature and it was staked automatically. So Ramana was not able to um, touch the RPL at all. I just did it all remotely and use that feature. So that was the intended purpose or one of the intended purposes for stake on behalf. However, what Invis discovered here was that you could do stake on behalf of anyone and basically um, without asking them, without telling them it's permissionless, you can stake directly onto their node. And what happens then is it blocks their node for being able to withdraw RPL for 28 days. So what did Invis do with this information? He shared it in, in trading and Fornak said, instead of exploiting it, have you considered reporting it to collect a bounty? That is totally an attack vector, even a cheap one if you want to block just the whales. Um, so in this is what exactly is the exploit prevention of stake unlock I guess I'm pretty sure um, not the first one to bring this up kind of an obvious side effect and Fornax says you could hold the RPL hostage now how would you hold this RPL hostage you can basically keep doing this every 27 days um, so you up the period again to um, 28 more days right and you can keep doing it perpetually to freeze their accounts on a I guess a permanent basis. So Invis says he says a screenshot of the immune immunify bounty page for Rocket Pool, and there's a high um, there's a high um, threat um, immune um, immunify bounty here that says permanent freezing of unclaimed yields. 
So yeah, you could technically do that and um, it would cause that issue. So Jasper at this point says, you should probably delete this from the chat, right? And Invis says, nah, there's too many eyes on it already. And A35U says, yeah, you just disclosed the zero day. Um, and Jasper says, one attack vector could be you short RPL, you start FUD that no one can unstake, show proof that said person cannot unstake, RPL price dumps, that sounds super legit, as in you can do that. And then this says, auditors can't be that stupid, can they? It's like the first thing you notice when you think about how stake for works. And Jasper says the attack of, the cost of attack is low unless people catch on and bid higher than you, question mark. But um, basically um, there's 2000 node operators and you could lock every single node operator on Rocket Pool for around one and a half ETH I think someone was crunching the numbers um, because you'd need you'd need a trivially small amount of RPL, um, like even less than you know 0.01 RPL because you you'd literally be sending 10 to the minus 18 to each person. You'd need 2,000 of those, so it's 10 to the minus 15 RPL, and you need about an ETH and a half for gas, and you launch that attack every 27 days, and no one would be able to withdraw any of their staked RPL ever basically so that is the worst case scenario of this issue um so then invis starts thinking about how do you prevent it right a35 uses how do you prevent it limit only to node withdrawal and he says the easy way to do it well i'm saying that um invis says whitelist controlled by node address so whitelist for stake or something like that so um yeah, Maverick says some things are better left unsaid. I recommend no more news like these for the sake of people or industry. Um, and A35U says Marceau will love this. No one can ever withdraw. And um, in this says anyone got his address handy? I just want to check something real quick. So um, yeah, so this discussion was like just starting around here. Um, a point that's been made a few times that it was 4am where Invis was in Central Europe. Um, I'm just relaying the facts, right? So, um, yeah, so that we already covered that. Um, so then uh, what happens later is, um, yeah, Invis had a thought at 4am, maybe he shouldn't have. Um, and then non-fungible Yoakum says, I'm of the opinion that this should be broadcast as little as possible. Um, and Ludi says, too late. And um, Invis says, let's just hide trading for now. Nobody will notice if we did that. Um, and then Maverick says, can we just delete it instead? Please, I'm begging, right? So I don't know if that's him literally begging. That's how people interpret it. Or if that's just like, you know, some meme from something, I'm not sure. But he's literally using the words, I'm begging. And then this says, but the legacy, the history, the memories. And he says, it's not about the message we send, but the messages we reacted to with a kek emoji, the laughing, the laughing emoji. Um, yeah. Um, so then what happens after that is um, Kane chimes in. He says, nice disclosure, Invis. Thank you for that. Um, and then Jasper says, should we be hush-hush? Or, and Kane says, it's public either way now. It'll definitely be patched in Atlas. So um, nobody really knew how to react to that in the community, whether you know it should be hush-hush. But Kane's saying it's public now either way. So that's why we're talking about it in Rocket Fuel. Um, and he says, it'll be patched, right? So... What's happening is um, Kane at this point says that depending on what he's like, boss, he said, what's the payout for that? How much is Invis missing out on? And Kane says, if it was a medium bounty, then it's 5,000 US dollars. If it was a high bounty, then it was 25,000 US dollars. So there's a case to be made that this was a high bounty could because it's an attack vector that could be used perpetually for permanent freezing of funds of everyone. Um, but that is just semantics. What happened here was because um, Invis talked about it publicly to begin with, that um, forfeited one of the criteria for the ImmuneFi bounty um, and he wouldn't have been eligible for a bounty. So, yeah. So what happens is Invis sends Marceau um, 0 0.0000000001 RPL um, and basically locks his node for 28 days. So then what happens next is um, Maso pops into trading and um, people say, uh, Invis sees him typing and he says, oh shit, bye guys. And Valdov says, oh, hi Marcy. And then people are saying, lol. And Invis is that like, kind of hiding away. 
And Marceau says, so we're tolerant of low, a low quality contributor and known troll using an exploit to grief node operators. This doesn't affect me personally, but why isn't this an instaban? So I think at this point, maybe there's two things. One, either that Marceau doesn't know that he got dusted this way and grief attacked, or um, he's saying it because he's under 150% uh, in terms of collateral, but he's saying this doesn't affect me personally, but why isn't this an instantly bannable offense? Um, so, yeah, and then Dondo says, wait, did Invis actually grief? And Bosi says, yeah, to Marcy. Um, and then... Um, yeah, he says, uh, Marceau says, you guys are out of your mind if you think this is acceptable for a protocol to tolerate. Um, and Kane says, I'll present all the information up the chain of command. Now, you have to remember, this was a weekend night in the US, uh, sorry, in Australia. So all the team was off. It just happened to be that um, Maverick and Kane were in trading of their own of their own volition at that time. Um, Valdov says, I think a temporary ban is appropriate for actually using it on someone else. Uh, Invis says, sure, I agree. What about seven days? And Maso says, go fuck yourself. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on now. Um, what happened is Kane says, it'll be fixed ASAP. If it becomes a problem before then, we can do an ad hoc fix, just which just removes that function. So what the, what Kane is suggesting here is that um, if, you know, now that, the, now that the attack vector is public, if someone out there, attacks a lot of nodes or the whole protocol, what will the, the team will be able to do is just remove that from the current um, version of Redstone, uh, issue a new smart node out there um, and get everyone to upgrade to it and then it won't be an issue anymore because the, the contracts will be upgraded. Um, I think that is a last resort though because you really don't want to be messing around with contracts um, even with just an ad hoc fun uh, fix because they're, I think it was Fornax or someone else who's talking about how those things are kind of dependent on each other and it would be really bad to do that uh, without an audit, basically. So, um, yeah. Um, then a lot of discussion started happening about whether or not um, Invis was feeling guilty, what, what he was feeling about what he did. Um, and people were saying that, you know, he said nah and didn't apologize and just went to bed because um, it was really late where he was. It was past 5 a.m. I think at this point um so yeah he just peaced out basically and then um the next thing we know is um people were saying oh did he get banned at the moment um was there a ban and Valdov says not in not in server at the moment and um Maverick says it looked like Invis voluntarily left the server so as he voluntarily left the server, the discussion was raging for hours. Um, there were a whole lot of points made that I don't have the scope to cover here. However, a little while later, um, Dave made a post in protocol update and he pinged uh, here. He says, hey everyone, in our constant endeavor to be transparent, today we've seen a report of a new minor griefing exploit. This exploit does not result in any loss of funds in any way, but it can be used to delay a node operator withdrawing excess RPL when they want to by 28 days. Um, and what's not mentioned here that you can keep doing it over and over again to make it forever. Um, even though our next big, big release is imminent, we'll be patching this beforehand to prevent any said griefing. We, um, we treat any kind of griefing on a near $1 billion protocol with the utmost seriousness. Any kind of re response less than that would be a disservice to all the node operators who make Rocket Pool as decentralized and as successful as it has been. The exploit, exploit was griefed on mainnet by a user of our Discord. They are aware of our bug, immunity, bug bounty program and had the opportunity to submit an issue of a reward of between $5,000 to $25,000 US dollars. They premeditated exploiting this and showed no responsibility for the severity of their actions. We'll be banning the user from our Discord for one year as a result, open to appeal should they take responsibility for their actions, apologize to the node operator, and promise to take proper procedures for reporting issues with the protocol in the future. And then Rocket Pool with a heart emoji, and people left um, um, emojis on this. So I'm just doing the same. So what happened after that? Um, yeah, Dave says, I literally had to put my computer back together to make it. Um, I was in the middle of moving. So um, then people like are talking about this a lot more. There's a whole bunch of nuance that gets um, talked about. Thomas, in this point, withdraws um, 180,000 
RPL from his node that was excess above 150%, just in case someone decided to uh, attack his node in the same way with a griefing exploit. Um, um, in the morning then, Maso comes into an IMC um, thread for like doing their um, multi-sig for members of the um, IMC, the Incentives Management Committee. He says, IMC, you should remove me from the multi-sig whenever it's convenient. I won't be signing any transactions going forward or otherwise in be involved in any way. I would have submitted the transaction myself, but you all should decide how you want to handle the vacancy, five out of eight or six out of eight replacement, etc. Um, and Valdov says, sorry to hear this. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, and then, you know, they, they carry on talking. And then Maso comes into trading. Um, and he says, wow, this thread is a dumpster fire. The simple point that is being lost is that somebody has a pattern of continued harassment and use a protocol exploit to deliberately grief someone, somebody, um, some to grief somebody despite warnings from the team it was targeted malicious and retaliatory both the harassment and the protocol exploit should be perma permanent bannable offenses simple there's nothing to say other than that to be honest that's number one number two this isn't about me so any comments about my collateral whaliness or how much it does or doesn't impact me etc are of course completely missing the point if you're going to um, have things like rule number one then they need to be they need to apply to everybody no exceptions but invis has done so much for the community it was 4m he didn't know what he was doing there's no real harm here he's young etc etc this is also missing the point i'm painfully idiotic this doesn't help but instead tries to excuse and justify toxicity be smarter number four more than anything else, I'm disappointed the team and the community, again, Invis has a long pattern of harassment towards me, going back to April, probably because I banned him, I think he means blocked him, um, and he didn't like how I voted in governance. I could share a mountain of links to illustrate, but that's kind of hard to search, it's kind of hard to search for banned users in Discord, um, yet half of trading is deciding to white knight him. I raised this to Mav and Langas a while back. Ultimately, it took him literally exploiting the protocol to get a response from the team. And in my opinion, they continue not to take community management seriously, despite having one-sixth of the staff dedicated to it. I wish you guys the best of luck. I'll be cheering on from a distance. With that, um, Marceau then left the server. So he's not part of the Rocket Pool Discord anymore. Um, and then people started responding to Maso's comments um Valdov says uh, I agree the exploit requires a consequence flat out and number two 100% agree number three mitigating factors don't change the need for a consequence I think they should be considered when determining duration path back if any etc number four I don't think anyone is white, white knighting in this acknowledging positive positives doesn't diminish negatives and then people saying, um, Drez was saying, agree on everything except part four. Don't understand how the team or the community should be responsible and take the blame for Invis's actions. And um, Schiffrin says, I have to say, after reading through all of the responsible responses up to this point, I think 99% of the community is upset with Invis's actions. There are definitely a couple of outliers, but that's expected in any community, in my opinion. And Nosho says what Valdorf said, um, basically agree with Valdorf. Um, but uh, I agree with this though. In my opinion, the, the con they continue not to take community management seriously. So then that started a whole other discussion. Um, but yeah, um, this was a really, really um, big point from uh, the weekend. And people are still talking about it right now. That I'm definitely missing a whole bunch of stuff that happened in this conversation. So please message me if I've done that and I'll fix it in tomorrow's episode. But um yeah, this was a really big deal. And where we stand now is that Maso has uh, left the server and I doubt he'll be making comments in um, the Rocket Pool Discord again. Um, and Invis has been banned for one year currently as things stand, unless he apologizes and tries to make things right. Um, I don't know how that's going to go, but that's where we stand at the moment. Um, so yeah. RPLMaxi.eth, um, 
formerly Lucian had this comment. He says, I think in general, it's a good thing that Invis found this exploit. Yes, he approached it in the worst possible way. Yes, he didn't stick to bug reporting tool. Yes, he behaved in a very childish manner by griefing Marceau, who does an incredible amount of community work for Rocket Pool and has every right to be absolutely livid about this. On the other hand, Invis himself, despite his constant sarcastic and trolling behavior, um, demeanor, in my opinion, opinion is a net benefit to this community by creating bots and being involved in the discord almost 24 7 i think it's a good that the one year ban comes with the option of apologizing to Marcel and the team i sincerely hope in this make will make up his mind and grow from this because he himself would be missed here um were he not to return so I think that this is an interesting point and it kind of covers what some of the things Marceau was saying in his comment about um, white knighting him and whether or not he is worth um, it's it's you know focusing on, on any of the positives from Invis what he's done. The main reason what I'm uh, highlighting this comment is for is for the last line. Um, I sincerely hope Invis will make up his mind and grow from this because he himself would be missed here were he not to return. So um I think that actually you know what it like forget that I shared this last point I don't think I'm going to inject my opinion into this and if I have already I'm sorry about that I'm just stating fact the way it is um so maybe I'll leave it at that um moving on so one of the things that Invis has done in in the community is doing something called checkpoint sync um which is a tool that he set up, which means that you can use addresses that he has for speeding up um, your um, syncing of um, clients on your smart node, right? So if you are starting staking today, then you can put um, Invis's uh, checkpoint sync in there and your client will start syncing from that point and it'll just make um, you getting back online much easier or setting up a new node much easier than if you hadn't done that. So um, this is something I used myself when my power went out in December. Um, you know, my uh, clients were not synced anymore. So I used Invis's tool to get synced and a lot of people in the community rely on that for those those things. So D2 said, does this mean a community checkpoint sync from Invis is donezo? And Dave says, we'll be making our own quite soon. So I think this is a really valuable tool that the community can, sorry, the team is going to be setting up. Um, you know, it's great that Invis has been doing that so far, but um, I think it's better that the team is doing that. Of course, then, you know, there's trust assumptions, all that kind of stuff, but maybe having multiple um, is better than having uh, just one. So, yeah. Okay, so um, I have this um, thing here that um, we talked about last week quite a lot about when we're going to get Atlas in relation to Shanghai and one of the things that I was talking about was how um, much I really hope the team does everything they can to get uh, Atlas out before Shanghai and then uh, Dondo shared the screenshot um, Jay says is LEB8 scheduled to be implemented before Shanghai um, so this was on the 3rd, which is Friday, um, and Kane replies saying, it's looking like it. There's no hard date for Shanghai, so we can't say for certain. So that, I'm sure Kane knows that, you know, uh, the all-core devs call um, kind of mooted uh, middle of March as a date for when Shanghai goes live. Um, and Langers was kind of talking about the, towards the later middle slash end of March, of when uh, Atlas would go live. And I was, you know, expressing a lot of worry about that in on Rocket Fuel, but it looks like uh, because of what Kane said here, you know, hopefully we can get Atlas through before Shanghai, which would be absolutely amazing. So then um, Jasper replies by saying, Kane, you giving um, crypto Twitter bread before us. How dare you, sir? Would the audit report be back? Do you all think? Um, when did they say it was due? And then Kane, Kane says, hardly bread. I'm just speculating on Shanghai date being later than when Atlas will be ready. So at that point, you know, I don't know how to exactly take that. But um, maybe, maybe um, we'll, be, we'll be all good. And I really hope that's the case. So please, please, please get it out before um, Shanghai. Please get Atlas out before Shanghai. So, yeah. Okay, so just as we talked in the first... 20 minutes of this episode about something really controversial next we have something else that was really interesting that happened on friday so this was kind of going on while i was getting the episode out so i didn't really have time to cover it in the episode so ramana says whoa the premium is back what's going on 
and then the premium was at 1.836%, which would net you about um, 0.25 ETH if you were to ARB that by starting up a mini pool using Rocket ARB. So people are just like, wow, what's going on? So Pateris showed, shared a screenshot from um, from Rocket Scan, and here it shows that there was someone who swapped 1,500 uh, 1,600 ETH into RETH. Um, and that had moved up the that moved up the uh, premium, um, and then he shared another um, another screenshot here of someone swapping USDC, one million USDC for oh no that's the same one sorry yeah one one point one million USDC for fourteen hundred and ninety two RETH through Uniswap, and so then D two was like wow that's a lot of RETH, and then um, that. And then showed another transaction of someone, that person basically holding, um, sorry, their, their wallet was holding um, $71 million worth of wrapped ETH, uh, which is um, uh, Lido's uh, wrapped ETH, and then $10 million worth of um, R ETH, which was 5,600 ETH worth. Um, no, R ETH, yeah, 5, 000, nearly 6,000 ETH worth of R ETH as well. So this person definitely had a lot of um, crypto, $82 million worth of crypto in their wallet. Um, and then we um, got some interesting information that this person happened to be the BNB Bridge Exploiter 2. So they're, um, they're doing some wallet investigation here, showed that this person was the BNB Bridge Exploiter and they got um, that's where they got their crypto from. Now, if you know, if you have an idea of who the BNB bridge exploiter is, the the prevailing theory is that that there's North Korean hackers. So what has happened is we have North Korean hackers potentially swapping hacked crypto into our ETH. Um, and yeah, um, let's see this tweet. Um, this, sorry, um, this it says the BM the BNB bridge exploit has become the fourth largest holder of our ETH. So <laughs> Grey Wizard said, is this a case for decentralization? I think it means permissionless permissionlessness. Um and <laughs> Sneaky says, I wonder if the BNB exploiter hangs out in here. We could could really be any one of us and no one would know. I think Sneaky's kind of outing himself there. <laughs> so um yeah, and then RPL.eth, which is Edward Wrenchhand, says, it's me, guys. Um, and then they're saying, it's Zemo, Doofus. Um, yeah, so basically what this means is um, the Rocket Pools, RPL, and RETH are both permissionless tokens, just like Ethereum's ETH is a permissionless token. Anyone can hold that token. There's no way to stop anyone from holding those tokens. There's no way to block the tokens. There's no way to restrict anyone from holding the tokens. It's literally part of the protocol is that this is a permissionless, trustless, open source, decentralized project that no one can stop. It's unstoppable. The contracts are out there. There's no way to stop you from interacting with them. Even with Tornado Cash, where there's sanctions against um, interacting with Tornado Cash, um, it still is... Um, you can still interact with Tornado Cash. There's no one stopping anyone from interacting with Tornado Cash except, you know, the MEV boost using OFAC sanctions list. But there's nearly 40% of uh, pro uh, validators are not blocking those transactions. Just like um, the BNB exploiter was able to swap their um, stolen um, crypto using Uniswap. That's the same way anyone can swap in and out of RPL and uh, RETH it's completely permissionless it's a feature of the of the system so um yeah um and uh, edward wrenchard says um i mean decentralization is going to attract all manners of individuals i sincerely hope the odao doesn't do something stupid here I'm trying to like blacklist address or anything like that and yeah um <laughs> yeah <laughs> So then there was a meme, of course, Jot releases this meme in um, the, the meme channel. And he says, when your state-sponsored hackers exploit a bridge and buy STETH. And there's a picture of the uh, the dictator Kim Jong-un. Um, 
being like kind of upset and grumpy and then buying our wreath and he's like happy and like kind of like buoyant so yeah anyway on first, on, on the surface right it looks really like scary but it's literally part of the whole point of ethereum that this this can happen so yeah moving on from that um harpo hypocrites sorry um had this uh, tweet of the metamask um the metamask interface and he says rocket pool is currently shown on the metamask staking page as having a higher reward than lido um and then he says that he changed the text from max capacity to max decentralization uh, but the percentages are the same um and he did that for meme potential on twitter potentially the first time we have highest rewards on metamask and um yeah this was really great that um this has happened there is one issue there you know that, that you can't i don't think you can swap into our eth on metamask because the deposit pool is full so i made a point on twitter about how um you know the vote to lift the deposit limit going up uh, is looking like it's going to pass um going up to eighteen thousand would be amazing we'd have a huge runway going into um atlas and then we can literally once atlas goes live then we can absorb pretty much as much demand as metamask will be able to provide we'll be able to absorb it so we should never hopefully be at capacity again or not for a long time anyway so we really need that to happen as soon as possible it's going to be so great when that happens i'm really excited for it okay next we had this um uh comment from jasper sharing um the tweet for the Aave uh, proposal for integrating our ETH. So here we have um, onboard our ETH to Aave version 3 Ethereum market. And then there was four options. One, um, pass with e without e-mode, um, pass with e-mode, um, abstain from voting and don't include our ETH. So this vote has passed resoundingly without e-mode. Now e-mode is... Um, the guardrails for stopping um hyperstaking on Aave. Um and hyperstaking of course is how one of the ways how um STETH was able to get so big is because people hyperstaked STETH. Um so this without being e mode would would mean that um it'll mean that um our ETH will be able to go through the same thing. So here it says LSDs, liquid staking derivative assets as strategic assets for Aave and the launch of version three on mainnet, introducing caps and e-mode allows to replicate the STETH success in a risk averse environment for other LSD assets. So this is going to be absolutely huge for Rocket Pool. Um, being able to hyperstake will mean that I don't think we're going to be in the position of having a shortage for our ETH demand anytime soon because people will just be able to fold their ETH and increase their risk appetite for outsized rewards. So I think that's going to be really, really big, and I'm really excited to see how that's going to go. Okay, next is something really cool that happened today. Um, Fizz took a screenshot of uh, P. Brody is typing, and then we get P. Brody, who's Paul Brody. He says, um, thanks, Woe, for the kind words, because Woe was talking about um, Paul Brody's... Uh, um, he says, this was a good one from Conf last May, and... Uh, JT Nicole comes after him and because um, Fizz was talking about um, Paul Brody being like a really um, influential figure in this in the system and like being a giga brain basically so for people who don't know who Paul Brody is Paul Brody is um, a member of the ETH finance community but so much more than that Paul Brody is the head of blockchain for Ernest Young which is one of the biggest um auditing like an accounting firms in the world so um he says i've proven my humanness and i'm here now so um it's really cool that paul has joined trading i feel like paul is just like the latest in the long line of people who are coming and popping in and saying hi um like really important people in the community like in the ethereum ecosystem um so what paul does is working on an enterprise level solution for um, blockchain and the project that he's working on is called nightfall which is an evm um, layer 2 that focuses on enterprise enterprise level privacy of transactions um, so enterprises can can um, transact on there and he's thinking like big 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 fish like 
uh, car manufacturers and like supply chain stuff and like being from A to Z. And he was on Bankless um, last week talking about um, how enterprise is going to revolutionize um, blockchain. And he was talking about how, you know, this is how we scale to like hundreds of thousands of transactions per second needed on, on uh, layer twos because there's just so much happening that you can track on using blockchain technology so it was absolutely amazing like it was a great talk i've i've been like paying a lot of attention to what paul's been saying on um ETH finance on 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 his podcasts and definitely like always listening out to what he's saying so it's really awesome to have paul here um, a lot of people show, share that sentiment and um we're really happy that he's here as well so jasper says loved your late last bankless episode Wo says uh, good to see you again paul brody um and um Ramana says, wow, this place really is the coolest club in town. And um, then people started asking him questions and like he only popped in for a little while, but um, it was really amazing to see um, to see um, Paul Brody in here and hopefully he'll be popping by more and more frequently. And yeah, it'd be really cool if that happened. Um, and then of course, just as uh, Paul Brody comes in, we also had Justin Drake coming yesterday. He says roughly half of the rocket pool operators and mini pools are now connected to the ultrasound relay via the recent version of rocket pool. If you're running version 1.6X, 1.7X, 1.7O, 1.71, uh, consider upgrading to 1.7.5, um, if anything, for the security updates. But then if you are, um, if you've checked the box that you don't, if you're willing to have non-OFAC compliant relays on your smart node, then you will connect to the ultrasound relay, which is really great. Um, so it's so great that um, Justin Drake gave us a nice little upgrade uh, update, sorry, of how many people on Rocket Pool are now using the ultrasound relay. Um, of course, you know, I'm using it. It's fantastic. I really like this idea from Fizz that he shared. Um, he said, it would be cool to see an unofficial Rocket Pool Summit during ETH Denver, where we kind of sit down in the room and have discussions and presentations that are specific to Rocket Pool's growth and development, both in biz dev and community, a chance to get really aligned more than just meet and chat. I really like this idea because I feel like we have the meet and chat stuff covered. Like it's it's down, right? Like we we everyone knows come and hang out at the booth we'll meet people in in some of the rocket pool houses there'll be lots of like unofficial gatherings of people like from discord um however this idea of like a rocket pool summit i've not really seen that floated anywhere and i think it would be so incredibly productive to have something like that i'm not sure how the logistics of it would work out like where it would be hosted who would be invited when it would take place all of that kind of stuff, like, I don't know how that would work, but the idea from Fizz is definitely a really, really great one. So it's something that I would love to see, if possible. Um, I really hope we can make it work. And we could definitely invite people, you know, from the Ethereum ecosystem and um, other protocols and projects that we want to align with, like Eigenlayer and like Miso Finance and like all of these other people and Ave and um, Maker and all of these people, we can get them all to come along. And like, you know, I think it'd just be like a mini Rocket Pool conference, which would be so awesome, but I don't know how it would work. So I wanted to give this a boost because um, I don't think enough people saw it. Um, and if, it, if we can make it happen, that would be absolutely amazing. So yeah, let's make it happen. Okay, so um, Data always is a really, really smart um, person on Twitter who shares fantastic ideas using Data. And this time they talked about um, how the idea around withdrawals is kind of wrong. Um, this is diving into the 0x01 uh, validator set to model partial withdrawals and remind you that ev almost every threader is always wrong. So what are they saying? He says, the TD, TLDR is that Lido were basically the only ones to adopt the standard en masse, meaning that they're going to clog the partial queue. Okay, it's not exactly a queue and decrease withdrawal pressure from people that actually want to sell. So what data always is saying here is that um, all this FUD that's going around that people will withdraw and sell their, their um, ETH um, is basically not going to happen to the extent that people have been kind of fudding that it will happen. It says, please stop the nonsense about 400,000 ETH and partial withdrawals the first day. Those numbers are delusional. There will be around 100,000 non-Lido on day one, and it will peak at less than 250,000 ETH a day. It's basically a catch 
phrase now, what's the point of all data being public in crypto if no one bothers to look at it? So this information is there. Uh, and yeah, it means that the, the bottlenecks will be in place that will definitely slow down um, any any withdrawals as Shanghai goes live. So definitely click on this um, Substack article to look at all the information. And it's really, it's a really, really detailed um, uh, post that goes into great depths about just how little um, sell pressure there will be compared to the FUD that's going out there. So definitely give that a read. It's a really good read. And even though it's not specifically related to Rocket Pool, of course, you know, it will impact us because of withdrawals as well. Okay, next we had this comment from Peteris who says Rocket Pool versus Lido on Bankless weekly rollup. So let's go to the weekly rollup and have a look at what the Bankless guys were saying about Rocket Pool on there. This is some interesting culture wars. Actually, let me just pause it really quickly. So this was in reply to Nixo's tweet that went out about um, voting to limit, um, self-limit or not limit. And... Um, yeah, they, they, they present it as a kind of culture war between the culture of Lido and the culture of Rocket Pool. RPL, Rocket Pool community, and Lido. Um, this is the tweet from Nixo saying, <coughs> absolutely wild how different two protocol votes can look when one community is active, invested in long-term health of the chain, and the other is there for dominance and short-term gains. Well, that, that might be a, a Rocket Pool-sided uh, tweet there. Yeah. But what is actually happening? What is the, the neutral way to interpret what, what's happened? Some on-chain vote, mm -hmm. what were they voting about? Yeah, so Lido voted as to whether or not they should self-limit. And what this means is that if you are above a certain threshold of the percentage of Ethereum stake, that threshold being 33%, you have more powers than you would have if you had less than 33%. And so if things are more decentralized, if something like Lido were to have 33% of all Ethereum stake. So Lido, once upon a time, voted, do we self-limit ourselves to preserve the credible neutrality of Ethereum? And 998 uh, percent of Lido voters said no, don't self-limit. Uh, this that was back in June, by the way. This was a long time ago. Yes, but what's yeah. news is that Rocket Pool just did the vote uh, for the same vote, saying uh, should Rocket Pool self-limit ourselves uh, and not go above that thirty-three percent threshold? And one hundred percent of Rocket Pool votes said yes. Uh, and so this is just the difference of culture here. Uh, and so the the Anthony Cesano take is that it. Shouldn't need to be said, but that Lido is a for-profit company, while Rocket Pool is a uh, protocol that attempts to establish credible neutrality. Uh, so, culture wars. Here we go. Yeah, culture wars. I mean, both approaches will be tried. Certainly. What is the? And Rock, the and it's, it, it's also worth noting, and just to check our biases here, Ryan and I and Bankless are a part of the ODAO for Rocket Pool. Uh, so we do own a supply of Rocket Pool. Uh, we do own a supply of RPL. We also stake with Rocket Pool, so we have exposure to the Rocket Pool side of things. The reason why we do that is because Rocket Pool tends to be more aligned with Ethereum. So Bankless tends to be more aligned with Rocket Pool. I think that's a fair take. Is that a fair take? That's a fair take, but we also have some Lido tokens too, David. And Li Lido has been a sponsor in the past. Yeah. I did not know that. The more you know. I did not know that we own Lido tokens. I Okay, so I I think went way over like fair use policy there. Sorry, but I think it was a really interesting discussion that David and um, Ryan had about the kind of culture. Um, what was really telling was David's comments at the end about how Rocket Pool is aligned with Ethereum and Bankless is aligned with Ethereum. Therefore, Bankless is aligned with Rocket Pool. I really like that point. I think that idea is kind of becoming more and more common in the Ethereum ecosystem and the, the Ethereum's like staking space as a whole. I'm so excited to see this play out when it comes to um, Shanghai and Atlas and just the amazing stuff that's going to happen in the aftermath of that. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen there. Right, next thing is something we covered on Friday about Thomas's nodes going down. And he says, and so I'm just going to give you a little bit of an update of what's going on with that. Thomas says, hey guys, sorry again about the downtime. I know it reflects badly on all of us, um, right, as we're trying to drive up adoption. For context, my current setup is a single node running with two standard ISPs and an LTE backup. I also have a 10-hour battery pack for power outages. The ice storm hit and knocked out my power um, first ISP in one go, second ISP went down a, about a day later. At some point, the batteries died and it took the LTE connection around 10 hours to resync Geth. I've been running these batteries 
back and forth several times a day just to keep the node online and there's no power almost three days later. I avoided using anything cloud-based even as a backup because I figured disasters are when decentralization matters most. Going to work on adding Starlink and a generator into the mix going forward as well as an off-site backup node that will be synced and ready to go for emergencies. It says, by the way, the off-site backup node is going to be the secret mountain node I tweeted about a while ago. I haven't been using it as my primary due to reliability concerns with the PTP wireless links. So I think that's so cool. Um, so what happened was Maso had made a tweet. He says, um, Rocket Pool really needs the needs performance guardrails with penalties to protect our ETH holders. Having the immense responsibility of staking other people's ETH should mean carrying the majority penalty 100% for downtime. Sorry for the downtime, Thomas. And then he says an example to illustrate the point. At 16 ETH, a node operator incurs 50% of the offline penalty despite being less than 50, more than 50% responsible for it. At LEB 8s, that penalty goes down to 25%. At LEB 4s, that penalty is 12.5%. Penalty goes down, rewards go up. This doesn't reconcile. So Thomas responds to this by, uh, sorry, um, Bossy shares this tweet. And then um, Thomas responds by saying that, um, let me see where. Yeah, and Maso comes into um, trading and says, um, this was before, of course, before the drama from this weekend. He says, genuine suggestion, scale the penalty with protocol ETH. It's not reasonable that we're letting node operators take more ETH, but not an additional responsibility vis-a-vis -vis offline penalties. And then referring to his tweet. And then um, Thomas popped by and what did he say? Oh, sorry, hold on. Where's Thomas's comment? Um, let me see. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is. He is. Uh, Thomas says. Um, yeah. Patches says is the reason why you didn't use the rescue node, Thomas. He says I really should have in hindsight. In short, I didn't think it would take so long for my node to sync on LTE. Um, and then. Um, and then Ludi said those Starlink um, specs are sufficient for a node I assume the data cap and he says it's deprioritized after one terabyte a month for residential and throttle for business at least that's their current policy but it seems like it could change on the whim I'm going to be pushing the limit on residential to see how bad it gets currently my node has been using 10 to 20 terabytes per month and then um Let me see that comment. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Basically, um, uh, Thomas kind of agreed with Marceau saying that the node operator should be punished more. And I think he made a comment about how he's willing to give back some um, ETH to our ETH holders just to kind of make up for the fact that he was down for so long. Okay, next, um, we had this idea that was floating around about how we should have... Well, actually, I think it was um, Patricio who came into trading and said that, you know, we should have poaps for each of the votes that we have on on snapshot and you know there's there's an integration built directly into it that if you vote you get a pop um, and why why haven't we done that so we kind of started talking about it as a community and then shifrin amazing shifrin uh, made a couple of um templates of what it might look like um like you know the title of the rpip goes here and then the rpip number and the date of the vote and the sign saying i voted and they gave two designs one is orange and white and the other one is orange and black and people were really happy and Valdov said let's ask and make a poll so Schifrin made a poll saying should we have one with a black bo orange border the black border or neither of them and 11 people said orange border 46 people including myself said black border and then um, zero people said neither of them so it looks like you know hopefully the community we all can get our act together and really um, add this as votes on the on the snapshot votes we've already had it would be absolutely amazing maybe we can go back in time as well and do it for all the retroactive votes that are already finished okay um next we have this comment from uh ramana who's saying does anyone understand the evm especially well like to the point where it 
you'd find it fun to help me building a formal model of it. So um, this is just a call to anyone who wants wants to reach out to Romana about um, that help with that. So if you can help Romana, go ahead, help Romana, please. Okay, and next we have Dib Disby Day. So um, Disby changed his um, his uh, server status to um, his name Disby and then a 40 next to it because it was his birthday. So people started saying happy birthday to Disby and that, you know, that his 40th birthday. And then what happened is people started sending Disby some um, RPL for his birthday, um, 0 0.69 RPL, just as a way of saying, um, to say happy birthday. So everyone was kind of reaching out, being really kind, and Disby was really touched, saying, you guys, and with a heart, um, which was really sweet. And um, people then, and then what ended up happening as well is on his note, he got a proposal um, on his birthday, which was which was really great. I think it was his first, his first proposal, um, which was you know on his on his uh, docs node disby node dot eth um so yeah he got a proposal on his on his uh on his birth on his birthday and it was his first proposal as well so i think that's really cool um so i wanted to take this opportunity to wish wish disby a happy birthday and um yeah and other people in the community as well you know if it's your birthday um say hi and i will also give you a shout out for your birthday so yeah congrats to disby for that and um yeah, it's been a really controversial start to the week. This episode has gone really long. Um, but hopefully, you know, we as a community can kind of heal and get through this time. And yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know what to say. But um, I hope you all have a lovely week. And I just want to give a huge, huge, huge shout out to all the amazing people who helped me source this episode through rocket fuel submissions remember at the end of this month they'll be getting pops the top 20 will be getting a special pop to say like top contributor and then everyone else who's contributed will get a separate pop and there'll be two raffles one for the top um the top um pop contributors and one for everyone else who's contributed so um yeah, I'm really excited about that. But please, please, please submit. If you don't know how to submit, just pop a message in the trading and someone will um, tell you what to do. But um, yeah, thank you for everyone. Thank you, everything. And I'll see you all tomorrow. Bye.